Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Tremaine Murphy. He is a director at 24-7 Direct. This company started as an onshore call center in Australia, and they transitioned, they evolved into an offshore staffing solution with most of their staff based in the Philippines. They themselves uh, are based in Melbourne, Australia, and a lot of their clients are from Australia, but they also serve as global, star, uh, global clients. So it's an interesting conversation to hear about their evolution from onshore to offshore, and also how COVID has affected things, and how companies, whether big or small, can get value from offshore staffing solutions. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over three thousand outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over five million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Tremaine, so I've been speaking to a few BPOs recently who have transitioned from an onshore model to an offshore model, and you with uh, 24-7 Direct have also taken that route as well. Um, maybe in introducing 24-7 Direct, you want to also just kind of mention your journey from uh, onshore call centers and into then uh, the offshore world. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, look, it's it's a really interesting one. You know, um, 24-7 Direct, founded in 2003 by Devang Parik, um, you know, was an onshore um, BPO, contact center operation based in Melbourne CBD, and, um, you know, a performance-based um, outsourcer, I suppose. And I think I think the, the, the signs are in the wind in terms of where things are going. Certainly, the business itself sought to offshore support functions because it made sense. It was cost rational. Um, and then 
I suppose, as, as we've all seen, you know, when we when we faced the un, you know unprecedented changes that came with the with the pandemic and everyone being forced to sort of look at um, business continuity plans kicking in and, and having onshore staff work from home in a virtual capacity, it just became clear that um, you know I guess offshoring and looking at virtual staffing was no longer something that just sat in the wheelhouse of the you know, the medium to larger size businesses, but even for small business. And so for us, that that was, um, you know, it was a, it was an omen, really. Um, some things obviously got put on pause in terms of major clients in Australia for the onshore side of things. No one wants to be selling when you're in the middle of a major international crisis and everything else is happening with the pandemic. And so it was an opportunity for us to look at um, what was there and was a burgeoning sort of building um, small um idea of a business and, and actually building that out and pivoting to build the virtual team. So I'm sure we're not alone. I think there's many people that have, have seen uh, going virtual and certainly going offshore a lot more accessible now um, as a result of, um, you know, the providers that are catering to smaller, medium businesses. And certainly in Australia, we've seen that, Derek. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? I, I think the COVID certainly had a silver lining, like people realised that uh, remote was an option and it kind of forced people to change their behaviors and habits and maybe remote and the global ton- context doesn't resonate so well with some people, but some people realized actually, you know, it is a fantastic option, but everyone at least took it for a test drive and, and sort of felt uh, what it was like to be remote. And then the extension of that is a, a global workforce, which has a lot of other um a lot of benefits as well. I suppose, you know, just as a bit of background, Tremaine, maybe you can give it sort of set the scene of, of Melbourne or Australia. Um, you know, I, I see it as a very, it's it's done very well economically, but there's a very um, tight labor supply. Uh, and that kind of has caused a lot of price inflation, very high salaries. Is that is that right with the sort of typical business setting in Australia? It's absolutely right. I think, you know, it, there's... Yeah, there's, we, we speak to many clients and, 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 and other businesses that we have relationships with, and there's a real challenge and a skill shortage across a range of different, um, you know, disciplines and roles. And look, I think that has in some instances forced businesses, as well as having to tighten the belt because of obviously the impact with COVID, et cetera, um, to, to look at going offshore. And then, and then for some, for example, I've got a, a colleague at, at the moment who is, is looking to, um, you know, through an immigration agency, bring in some welders um, for a client of his and that he has like quarter million dollars worth of business uh, ready to go and he just doesn't have the manpower on the ground in terms of people qualified welders that can come in and, and produce the you know the product for him so I think across the board there's um, there is a skill shortage um, the, look, the spirit is high though um, and you know what's what's notable my, my partner that's what she said look with with she works for a mining company you know there's um people are a little bit hesitant in terms of returning to the old ways of just coming back and working in the office I think there's a propensity to want to look at I don't know a, a new way of a new way of of, of interfacing with our employment with our you know with our life and work-life balance we've seen a lot of people in my area where I live for example just move and, and go for a sea change or a tree change and that type of thing so um, yeah mm. there's there's definitely change I think it's for the positive you know for the for it's it's in the positive for most people yeah and in my mind as well Australia seems quite advanced quite mature in its understanding of remote staff offshoring uh, 
Filipino teams, you know, maybe because it is actually so geographically close to the Philippines and also in terms of time zones, very aligned to the Philippines. How do you see it on the ground? What is the awareness of offshoring, outsourcing Filipino teams, for example? Oh, look, it's yeah, certainly in the telco industry and in the in the finance sector, um, I, I think we've become absolutely accustomed um, to to speaking and dealing with with people in the Philippines. And you know, look, Derek, I was involved um, in, in a previous life and doing a lot of work across um, the fin services sector and helping triage, you know, the impact on customer experience um, for for the banking industry and that type of thing through looking at offshore. Initially, it was in um, in Malaysia and then in the Philippines. And I think we, as a as a business community and as a consumer base, we're used to speaking to people, particularly through the BPO sector, um, over the telephone for our energy, for whatever it might be in the Philippines. We all also have um, quite like there's 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 a lot of Philippine um, immigrants that are now living in Australia and have immigrated over here to live. So I think it's um, it's not so much a stretch in terms of the notion of working offshore. Certainly at the bigger end of town. And now what we're definitely seeing is that you know there's. And with the advent of do you have a VA, you know, the, the, the virtual assistant, even just for the, you know, the, the sole trader who needs an admin assistant, that type of thing, it's certainly become a lot more accessible to think about the notion of looking not just locally, but um, globally to, to, to build out your team, to scale, that type of thing. Yeah. It's, um, I, I see part of it is crossing the chasm. Like it, it, people take for granted that the big banks and the telcos have an offshore team. And, it, you know, it just seems a normal way of life. Whereas most small and medium-sized businesses, I think they kind of think like that's for the big boys. It's not, it's not for us. Um, do, do you see that the same? And I, I wonder why there is that. Maybe just because there is the association with call centers and SMEs don't need a call center. They need staff, you know. Do you do you come across that kind of divide? Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, Derek, I think it, the experience that I've had in terms of sentiment, where if you want to look at, I suppose, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, like those that might say, "Oh, I wouldn't want to go offshore because um, I don't want my customers to have this experience." And you know, as with customer experience, psychology one on one, we we remember the bad experience, you know, all of those other experiences. And even those that might have wowed us are, are a bit more difficult to tag in our memory and to inform how we perceive things. So um, I think my take on it is that, you know, I've had conversations with clients and said, look, you know, at the bigger end of town, yes, of course, it, it, there's there's cost uh, rationalization drivers for looking to go offshore. That's a consideration. But there's also the ability to um, create a, a point of difference in terms of, let's say, customer experience, because there's the ability to have a greater a volume of people being able to, say, answer calls or a, a greater sort of bench to be able to deliver the service in a more timely manner. So, um, and it's, it's, it's it, it, at the smaller end of town and, and, and medium businesses, um, you know, that's starting to happen, I think, because what's happening is that the first divide was, well, hang on, I don't like the idea of not having someone here next to me in the office. And then mm. that's, that's sort of been blown out. We've all got used to working via Zoom, via whatever the interface is. Um, the second one is, well, well, what is the impact going to be on my business? How do I control the unknown? And so that's sort of our wheelhouse. It's where we're helping the smaller end of town um, to, to be able to do that and understand you know, the solutions and the things that are in play to do that. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting time. It's very exciting. It's fantastic. Yeah, super, super. It, it's right on the brink, I think, of this inflection point, isn't it? It um, sort of going, you know, call centers have been around for 30 years, but in terms of general business, 
using offshore staff, it, it's still yeah. pretty fringe, uh, you know, and there's like the Tim Ferriss kind of army that understand it, but kind of not everyone else does. But I think it's going to hit this inflection point soon where uh, people, it, it just becomes normal. And then eventually it becomes the default, which is really exciting. Uh, and with 24-7 Direct then, it, it sounds like you started your your sort of origins were in the kind of the call centers in the bigger industry and as you sort of um, go through your offshore journey where where is your your main audience now is it within still within the bigger enterprises or is it smes uh, look our business now is sme so um devang took the business from its origin back in 2003 and you know, uh, built up the BPO to be a, a, an outbound sales contact center businesses, you know, 150 seats here in Melbourne and um, sort of boutique and, and and catered to the telco industry and the financial services industry and very, very successful. And, you know, the, the, the thoughts were to move from that model, which is a complete outsourcing model, obviously managing campaigns and running, running um, those types of things for clients to something where, um, what we do now is, you know, we're sort of um, providers that help small to medium businesses build their virtual teams. Um, and we love that. It's it's something where we, you know, we don't have a, a wheelhouse of a thousand staff sitting there and you pick and pluck who you want. We, we, we build the team out. We partner with our clients, um, take care of the recruitment, HR, IT support infrastructure, that type of thing. So um, that's really exciting. It plays to both of our backgrounds, um, the Vang certainly in the BPO sector, and, and my own um, throughout throughout the customer experience uh, work that I've done over the years, and other 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 businesses that we've both been involved with. So um, it's really exciting. The business has grown. You know, we've got over 120 staff now across a range of different clients. And it's what's really exciting, Derek, is that um, you know from from a business coach or, or a marketing consultant or someone that just needs that one person to support them to clients that we have um, that are in you know industries that you just wouldn't expect, like equipment hire and um, you know, education platform and all these different types of industries that in the past you might not have thought would be comfortable with the notion of, of looking um, looking at virtual stuff offshore. And so we're able to help them build the right culture and build the right team. That's that's going to fit with how they need to operate. And there's, there's a gap there, I think, for a lot of businesses and a lot of individuals. They're like, well, how do we do this? What is the infrastructure we need? But moreover, how do we actually manage just the day-to-day, how can someone not here still be part of our team, help us succeed, you know, those sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, and that's the magic, isn't it? It's the crux of uh, offshore staffing. And now I don't necessarily completely subscribe to 100% completely remote. You know, I think there's kind of downsides to that. But if you can, if you can leverage global employment uh, and, you know, you can have hubs like a hub in the Philippines and a hub in Australia or the US, it becomes really, really powerful. But again, you know, people can tailor this to however suits their methodologies, their business. Um, but yeah, it's it's really powerful, isn't it? And do you, you, you sort of come alongside as a business partner then? You help these people that sort of aren't so familiar with offshore staffing and global sourcing and you you help them with the staffing, but then also the processes. Is that is that right? Exactly right. So I guess like there's there's a couple of tiers. You've got your your, your small business, and, and they've had some exposure potentially to offshoring through using a freelancer site for some for some projects and jobs like that. Um, seeing the value, can see obviously 
um, the impact. Perhaps they have competitors or they have others in their industry and they look to them and go, this business is growing, they're scaling, they're seeming, they're incapable to be doing things that I can't seem to manage to do perhaps right now. And so that's where we come in with, with small business, you know, that ability to sort of break it down and say, okay, well, let's look at what are the, what are the first, fun, first couple of functions that you really want to outsource. Um, can, we, we can help you sort of, you know, create the brief for that, go to market, find the right talent. And then from, from then on, we help with the, with the processes in terms of, you know, continuous improvement, performance management, those types of things. But fundamentally, the staff are working as part of our clients' teams, usually augmenting onshore teams, you know, so they're, they're part of functions. And, and we know what works well and also what, what type of roles that are, don't play so well um, offshore and virtually. Um, and that's really exciting. And so usually you might start with one or two hires, of course, um, at, at the, the simpler end of, of things, a client gets comfortable in the capability and what, what it's like in terms of the workflow management and working with a virtual team. And then from there, the confidence is built and they you know, hire engineers and developers and all sorts of quite senior roles now for clients across the board. So it's yeah, very interesting. It's fascinating to watch, isn't it? You know, and especially I, I like it when more traditional businesses that are, you know, like like a plumber or electrician or a builder, where fundamentally they're a locally uh, constricted, constrained business. But if you sort of pick apart what a business is, there's so many roles that can be done offshore and globally, such as the you know the kind of back end, the administration, the accounting, the marketing, the even the customer service and you know things like that. There's when you pick apart a business, and um, there's almost no limit to to what can be done remotely um, or in a distributed workforce. And maybe it takes a little bit of hand holding at the beginning for clients to see that. Yeah, absolutely right. And look, you know, in talking about bespoke and unique, you know, one of our clients, an equipment hire company in Australia, that's been operating for twenty years. And look, they're established. They're a big business. Um, you know, that's built out so that their virtual team have staff that are able to support, you know, technicians on the ground here and they're engineers, they're qualified engineers. They they run diagnostics on, on technical equipment that can break down on the ground here in Australia and support the team in doing that. Now, that hasn't, I would say, because that client couldn't get the talent here in Australia. So we were able to find it in the Philippines for them. Um, but it's allowed it's allowed that team and the business and the business owners to grow where they can kind of take their head out of being so deep in the trenches with the business to actually you know look at growing the business and doing some of those other things. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a really interesting time. And where do you see some of the bigger opportunities in offshoring? And where do you see some of the the limitations? Like you mentioned earlier, like some of the roles are harder to to offshore or get to work properly. Where do, where do you see the sort of delineators there? I suppose. Uh, it's look, you know, I think a role that you can you can you can you can go into and you can systemize and optimize yourself, and it sort of has a start and an end in terms of process and can be delivered with the right skill set, and, and um, then it can be replicated and it can be scaled, and um, you know, across any number of functions, I think absolutely it can be handed off and outsourced. Whether it's outsourced or offshored is 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 a point of well, is let's say, is there a cultural sort of um, imperative for this person to be able to really um, win over the person? So let's say I, I would say, for example, sales. Um, we've not seen a lot of um, success in terms of um, true sales. Um, 
outbound from the from from offshore in Australia. Now that could be an Australian thing, um, but it's just the, the cultural thing has has played a role in it. On on the flip side of that, though, um, inbound terrific. Where the, where the clients warm, they have a need, they're pursuing a product. It's more of a customer service consultative type of process. Really, really works well. Um, so I would say that there are roles like that that that. Um, play well and other roles that just don't play well. Um, but it is it is about sort of being able to, um, aside from the obvious boots on the ground, it, it, like have a look at the role. Like we say to our clients, if, if, if you don't truly understand, you know, what the process within the role is and, and how that needs to be delivered so it's going to be optimised, let's work with you first to do that. And then and that can be through the process of your first hire. And then you can really see what the capability of somebody offshore is. Like anything, I mean, the person's being supported and coached and developed and they have the prerequisite skills. It's just speed to competency like like any job. And you can have onshore people that come into a, into a role and if, if, if really, you know, they're not getting the support and what they need to be able to deliver it, so it's not, it's going to fall over. Um, so those, I think they're the critical, critical things in getting offshoring right. You need to have the processes in place and a support mechanism. So if you don't have a coach in your business or you don't have a continuous improvement sort of process there to really optimise and, you know, be able to have clear line of sight on execution of what's being done, then it's going to make it very difficult to understand what the causes of problems are or how to remedy them, how to overcome them. So I think, to my point, it's it's absolutely about roles that you know can be systemised, can be processed and mapped and, and repeated are going to play very, very well offshore. Um those that require people to really act with um, a whole lot more discretion and a whole lot more intuition and um, nuanced in terms of understanding, let's say, the Australian community and communication within that might prove to be a little bit more difficult. Not impossible, but certainly um, a, a bit more legwork to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the kind of emphasis on processes and having established processes is really critical. I find you know a lot of kind of opportunistic outsourcers or clients, they they want to outsource um, their problems, or they want to outsource the things that they haven't been able to do themselves. You know, and it's a it, it would be incredibly convenient if they can say, well, look, I can't really get a sales process to work at home, and it's costing me an enormous amount. I'll give it to these guys offshore, and you know, they they told me they can do sales, so you know, they can have that job. Um, but yeah. fundamentally, you know, building a successful sales process is is very difficult, especially kind of outbound, especially cold, uh, really, really difficult. And it's kind of convenient for prospective clients to to sort of hand over the baton and say, well, you know, you want the job, go and prove yourself. But actually, it takes a hell of a lot of cooperation between both parties and it's fundamentally really really difficult to do isn't it and it's kind of again i suppose clients just having the understanding of exactly what um, outsourcing is and it's not really kind of outsourcing your problems it's actually just about finding the staff and then building the processes around them and that doesn't necessarily make up for failings in in processes or product or procedures necessarily absolutely right and look you know devang will, will speak to this he you know has run a successful uh, out outbound sales um bpo outsource where you're outsourcing sales campaigns and you know the, the business um is profitable based on performance it was highly profitable with that because he understood how, how to do that very very well and you know what what we are as an offering is you know we support 
our clients to recruit staff and build a team uh, that augment their Australian team through offshore staff. We're not, um, what we don't do is manage fundamentally the, the staff's performance day to day. That's something, for example, we have a client that's, you know, got mortgage broking staff as well as property management staff and then other other um, accounts administration staff in three different teams for their business in, in Melbourne. And, um, you know, each of those teams have managers, have team leaders, have processes. And look, small to medium business sometime, sometimes get a bit nervous. It's like, well, I can't outsource this because I don't even have a training manual for it. I don't even have a process for it. So how can I teach someone at the other side of the world to deliver this and to be able to execute it? And that's, I guess, where, you know, we help with that too. We can help them. Okay, well, let's work through how we establish a process and how you do that so that um, that works well. But yeah, you can't outsource your problems. And and look, we've, we have turned away some clients because it's been pretty clear that that's essentially what they've wanted to do it's it's like look this is a problem for you here and you haven't sort of optimized what you're trying to do um let's try and get that right first and then see if you can hand it off and scale it up and repeat it you know when it's successful for you so yeah yeah fantastic and uh it's you know what i find so powerful as well is that people are not only getting access to highly qualified staff and then they're also getting it at a great price you know and saving a lot of money that they, they kind of access the executive talent and the sophistication of the outsourcing industry and then they're able to mature their processes and um it you know there's a lot of other benefits other than just the access to staff you know it's kind of um, going through these processes of shoring up operations helps uh, kind of mature a business and that's the thing you know the yeah the outsource outsourcing industry and the bpo industry you've got such talented people across the board from you know um from operational management to quality assurance and you know it, you've got organizations that are at the other end of town that are that are big that adopt you know quality principles such as copc um that are worldwide and and they're they're up there with back-end process um you know principles like like your isos and and everything else and and so we see staff now and it's interesting because we're obviously at the small end of town we're catering to small to medium business in australia and in melbourne but we see we've seen so much talent come through um, and apply for roles with us and it's extraordinary to go through the the process of screening and looking at the resumes and the history you know so many um so many staff that have that are uh, wanting to work for an Australian company or a company overseas from the Philippines, they've definitely done a stint in a BPO. They've had a year or two working for a big provider in a call center. Um, they're degree qualified. They've got all of these different disciplines behind them. And to your point, the training and 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 the things that they've um, picked up along the way through being indoctrinated into various companies, um, strategies to, to serve as clients overseas, it's extraordinary. Like the, the breadth of experience that we see people come through with aside from what they've graduated out of college from um, is, is, is fantastic. And I think that plays to the mindset now of, of people starting to explore, well, what could I look at globally in terms of building out perhaps a, a, a virtual team? You know, And when, when they realise the talent pool and, and um, the, the driver of particularly people in the Philippines from what we've seen, look, we, we've got some clients that have outsourced through us to, to, to Sri Lanka and also to India, but, um, and they're great as well. But um, Philippines is where we're primarily based in terms of what we do. Um, yeah, the talent pool is fantastic and the breadth of experience is, is really, really strong. Mindset around what, what we're prepared to do in our role is also really, really interesting. You know, not necessarily totally framed in, if I'm going to be someone who's a para broker working with a mortgage person, 
I will never be prepared to pick up other tasks for my clients, such as perhaps helping out on the odd day with some digital marketing if it's required. Whereas I think in Australia, we certainly have as employers seen that, you know, you bring in someone and they're your bookkeeper, it's going to be a stretch to ask them to jump in and do some stuff to support marketing because typically they'll be like, well, that's just not at all what I do. Um, so it's interesting. I think, yeah, it's, it's a very, very good talent pool and um, the industry is, is very strong in uh, supporting the development of, of necessary and needed skills. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the price structure, then, if you can speak to that, like how they get you, you know, they get the whole infrastructure, they get the support and the sophistication of building and running these teams. How do you price it? Is it is it kind of a all in price? Or um, is it sort of transparent pricing with the salaries? How do you structure the, the pricing generally? Look, like like a lot of providers these days, it's you have to have an open an open book in terms of you know cost and, and and that type of thing. So we're a flat flat fee. So we you know per 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 FTE, it's a flat fee for the person you hire. So um, you know we we basically, for example, if you were to hire somebody perhaps who's um, a general admin assistant or something like that, you could be looking at you know um, starting point of something like eighteen hundred dollars Australian AUD per month per calendar month. And that's that's flat. It's monthly. We're a no lock-in pro- um, contract provider, and we provide complete transparency around um, our costs. You know, we've basically got a fixed margin, um, Derek, across any role. Which, like any other business that's growing, we only really truly realise that when we get to a particular point in the client relationship. So I think for a lot of clients, they realise we're very much committed to growing with them and and that's how we've managed to grow um you know so i think month seven for any hire you know our our, our hire is profitable for us yet our clients are not locked in to you know a 12-month agreement or anything we just ask for 30 days notice um and so and, and look what we've seen too which is interesting in terms of if you want to talk about staff salaries in the philippines obviously there's a shift that plays obviously into what we're doing our business continuity plans um, you know, forced us to move from our offices in Cebu to work from home uh, through COVID. And then we really explored and built out the model to our work from home model for our business, which was absolutely something that was unanticipated. Um, but we now are glad we've done that. And whilst for some clients, certainly a managed office solution is just absolutely what they prefer and need. And, and there are certainly providers that do that really, really well. And we were we were one of those that thought that that was what we needed. Our model is now work from home. We've got the ability to tap into the entire Philippines in terms of the talent pool. And there's a, a real cohort of people in the Philippines that are absolutely seeking out a well-paid full-time position that allows them the benefits, I guess, of being able to be at home with family and work from home from their home office. And so that's terrific. You know, we, we've seen the talent pool really rise there. Um, that's how we work. Look, our offering is one where, you know, staff get all the benefits that any full-time employee gets. They get the 13th month bonus. They get all of the, all of those different things. They get their sick leave, annual leave. They just, they work with our clients. They, they work on, um, you know, they take the Australian public holidays. They become part of the Australian sort of um, sink in terms of how the ebb and flow of a, an Australian worker would work. And they get rewarded and, um Everything from bonuses to remuneration beyond their salary um, that, that's offered by the client just gets passed straight through to our staff. And it's, it was really refreshing, actually, Devang said to me the other day, have a look at some of our reviews on, on Indeed. And, um, yeah, the reviews were really, really happy with how staff are feeling. And if we don't get that right, then there's no point. I mean, if attrition was high for us, our business wouldn't be operating. So 
we sort of we try and focus on those two things. And look, I think anyone who is successful in, in the outsourcing and BPO industry gets the importance of um, of staff engagement and, and getting you know getting that right. Um, start you know staff experience and customer experience is paramount to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And how do you think all of that is changing now with COVID, with remote? Um, you know, it's changing all over the world. But how do you think staff engagement when you're dealing with the Filipino team, and then also like the cultural differences? Do you think those are kind of going to become more homogenized and and sort of mitigated over the years as it becomes more normalized? I do, and and you know, I was talking to a client the other day who has been managing their onshore uh, workforce, um, a component of it, the decision was taken in their business to keep keep the team working remotely. And the team basically by vote sort of chose that. And 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 that um, customer service manager, contact center sort of manager, um, who we were looking at expanding the team out to have some staff in the Philippines as part of their contact center operation was just saying, this is no different for us now than than any of the, any of the team. It's just become normalized, and they're lovely. They're so engaging. They're part of our business, um, you know. And, and we just encourage encourage clients to bring bring staff in. Like if you're having team meetings, you're having huddles, you're having important celebrations, you do those things. Whilst the staff member can't be there for the lunch, you know, um, we've had clients that that organise lunch for for their staff offshore when they're having their celebrations and doing those things. And it's it's just become become uh, quite the norm I think and I think the challenge is Derek that for some small to medium businesses they just don't quite understand how to make it work or perhaps have gone down a path of trying to DIY it and do it themselves perhaps through trying to recruit through a freelancing site and that type of thing and managing it and that's if you're getting serious about building it out and it's part of an established business then obviously you need some support who've made them from people who've made the mistakes and understand what works and doesn't and have some good sort of solutions to that. Um, and there are a lot more practical solutions these days in terms of technology and how to put things together. You don't need to be at the enterprise level where you're talking about a minimum sort of you know thirty to fifty staff or whatever being offshore. You can do it with one or two. Mm. Yeah, it seems so polarized. You know, so many people are so quick to say that outsourcing doesn't work and the quality isn't there. Yet, you know, a lot of people are resistant to paying a higher salary or you know using intermediaries. Um, and and I, I unfortunately feel that you know people kind of never allow themselves to pay enough to to find real quality and real sort of enterprise or at least reliable scalable solutions. Uh, and so they, there's a lot of people kind of shooting themselves in the foot, which unfortunately gives the industry a, a, a kind of bad name. You know? Um, yeah, it's it's it, it's, yeah. it's the chicken and the egg thing, isn't it? And you know that that whole <laughs> the whole thing of um, you know. Don't 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 throw at the baby with the bathwater. If you know that there's um, somebody else in your industry or a number of other companies, perhaps competitors in your industry that are using virtual, that are mm. using offshore, they're doing it successfully. They're getting all the benefits of offshore. You know, um, rationalized cost savings, the ability to, you know, to 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 scale, the ability to really have a deep bench and support. Um, you know fast turnaround times and speed to market if you're in the development space of product. So if you know there's a provider that's done that, just because you've had a bad experience, perhaps the model was wrong. Like I found this with some clients I've spoke to. They've come to us and they said, oh, no, we've tried we've tried this before. And when you dig a bit deeper, it's like, well, what did you try? What was the model? And it was, it was simply put, it might have been that they tried a model where 
let's say they, they outsource to a firm that is kind of like our model where we, we, we recruit, we manage the HR, the IT support, the infrastructure, we triage the workflow, we do that. And then the team was essentially being ongoing and managed through their team. It didn't work because really what they needed, they needed an expert team of developers or an expert team of, of um, service people or designers and they needed to outsource the entire function mm. and have the outsource provider held accountable on a KPI to the outcome. You know, so, you know, managed staffing wasn't the model that worked for them or vice versa. So, yeah, I think you're right. And it's interesting, you know, for someone um, who yeah, talks about, well, you know, the cost, the cost side of things and then the quality. I mean, yes, I think you need to you need to pay what is a respectable and fair and decent rate to get good people, look after them and then also to get a good provider that's going to be, you know, invested in providing the expertise. So. Yeah, and it's it's just, you know, try and get people to be happy with saving 50% and not 90% because then you're kind of cutting your nose off to spite your face a little bit. And, um, you know, it's far better to, uh, you know, have highly capable people. And also if you're, if you're hiring sort of people at the top of their game, top executives, and if you manage to save 50% on a $20,000 salary per month, uh, that's a huge amount of money. Whereas if you're sort of scrapping around the bottom of the market and, you know, looking for $2 an hour assistance, then the actual nominal value, even if it does work, is so much slighter, isn't it? And so it's, yes. it's just kind of getting people to kind of think big picture and uh, think think about the sort of upside as opposed to how many, how many I don't know, you know, can they can they squeeze out 70% or 75 or 80, 80% savings instead of, you know, building a scalable, sustainable business? Derek, I think I think you're absolutely right. What we've found when it comes to salary is, and, and I say this, I, I, the, the the alarm bells go off a little bit for me when I'm speaking to a prospective client and we're talking about uh, cost and that type of thing. If there's if there's sort of a, a an issue there around fifty or a hundred dollars uh, Australian and the translation of that for a staff member, the number one thing we've found is we go we go above award in terms of roles, um, particularly roles that you know, um, uh, competitive and, and advertised for. And if you get a staff member that's p- been on a higher salary previously, we just, we don't, we'll present that to the client and say, look, this person will absolutely need to be offered something that's on par with what they previously had. We'd suggest we offer them a little bit more because no one wants to be on less money. There's obviously drivers for accepting a role on less money. And even for us where, you know, work from home is highly sought after. And so staff are prepared to go, I'll get paid less if I can have the benefits associated for, for them because that's what they're seeking, working from home, less travel, all of those types of things. Um, we, st- we, we still try and keep them on par with the salary that they that's commensurate with what they're doing. And the big thing is that, you know, if attrition will cost you a lot more if it's if your turnover is high, then actually paying to get good staff, or you know, you might be saving, as you say, ten um, percent more or, or something in terms of your your workforce. But the cost of um, attrition, the cost of training, um, errors because the skills may not be there. And then further to that, the, the big the big ticket item we've seen is that if someone's getting underpaid for their needs and for what suits them, even based on industry standards, in the Philippines, people are very very industrious and they work very very hard, and what they more often than not, we'll have more than one side hustle and perhaps be working a second job, which means you're not getting someone who's completely committed to your business, feels invested that they're being rewarded and satisfied, like anything. You know, if you've got someone who's completely underpaid in, in any country in their role for your business, 
um, you know, their motivation and how they feel about working for you is going to be impacted. It's just not recommended. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, all these principles, like it, it's like they're, they're not novel, you know, they're just kind of the standard principles that apply to all of employment, all of management fundamentals, you know, and um, the same things apply if you're offshore, if you're remote, if you're global, if you're dealing with Filipinos versus Australians, um, a lot of the, they're just sort of standardized principles, aren't they? And um, there isn't sort of one rule for Australia and then, you know, one application for the Philippines. It's you know, something I've seen that's interesting, being being sort of, a, I guess, a customer experience advocate and aficionado um, for years and doing a lot of consulting work with that is that, I mean, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and people that have worked in, in, in the corporate world and everything else and very, very senior roles, stepped out, st- setting up their own businesses and doing quite well, building them from small to medium relatively quick. Um, and they understand what's required in terms of, you know, bringing about success in a team in terms of, you know, coaching and support and motivation and culture and all those types of things. But it's a very different kettle of fish when it's your own money and you don't have the budget of corporate to deal with in terms of putting the right people in place. Um, so I think that's that's probably one of the impediments for some small to medium businesses is recognizing, even though you understand what might be required in terms of coaching and support, do you have that set up within your own business? Can you make sure that those things have been met? So staff are not only being remunerated properly, but are getting the sort of support, the coaching, the things that they will need so that they feel motivated, they know what success looks like, they're going to be invested in your business like an onshore staff member would. And it is a bit different when people are offshore, the coaching, the development, the natural stuff that might happen by just having someone sitting next to you in the office compared to remotely. You know, that's that's where I think, you know, for the outsourcing industry, um, we really can step in, in into our own, you know, whether it be smaller providers like ourselves or the bigger providers out there that are quite established. I mean, it's not just about finding cheaper labor overseas. It's about what goes with that in terms of supporting your business to be successful like any business, whether it have an offshore arm or it's entirely offshore, yeah. Absolutely. So Tremaine, if people want to have a conversation, I always encourage people to to pick up the phone and have a conversation similar, not too dissimilar to this, you know, and just talk through their business, talk through their requirements and get your insights. You know, it, it's, it can be immensely valuable for people just to, to pick up the phone and hear uh, how offshore staffing can be applied to their business or integrated or how they should start. Um, yeah, how do you, how what do you recommend? Like a phone call works, and how should people get in touch generally? Oh, Derek, oh, look, I'd love for people to reach out. I encourage people to even just to get on the phone and have a conversation. Um, you can get in touch with me via our website, which is www.24x7direct.com.au. Or alternatively, I do a lot of um a lot of social media work. So LinkedIn, if you go to LinkedIn, you just uh, um, type in my name. I'll pop up there. Please send me a message and connect. Um, you know, happy to happy to jump on a call and have a conversation with you. And you know, I I've firsthand seen the good, the bad, and the, and the ugly of of, of uh, attempting to go virtual or go offshore. And obviously, been heavily involved over the years in in measuring the impact from a customer experience perspective. Um, so I, I love to talk to people about their experiences. And often it may be that we might not be the right provider, but happy to point people in the direction of, of, of the many other talented agencies and companies out there in the outsourcing world as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Tremaine. I, I don't know if we are. Yes, we are connected on LinkedIn already. So um, no, really valuable. And it, it, again, it's just I encourage people to reach out, have a conversation. And uh, it's just 
kind of getting people onto that first step and then outsourcing can be absolutely transformative. So, uh, Jermaine, thanks so much for your time and so so great to learn about 24-7 Direct. Thank you, Derek. That was Tremaine Murphy of 24-7 Direct. As always, if you want to get in touch with Tremaine or 24-7 Direct, go to the show notes, which is at outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.